Joy McGowan. I'm Denisha Simpson. And, and we, we are Resilient, Resilient Black, Black Women. A black woman gave us life. A black woman taught us to stand. When she sat down in the front, a black woman defied the man. When a black man rose up, it was a black woman that held his hand and gave him strength beyond themselves, something they could never understand. Hey y'all, this is Joy McGowan, and I'm here to introduce you to Dr. Gabby. Dr. Gabby is a gynecologist out across the pond in London, and we are so excited that she found us from our podcast and our website, and she has been such a support to us of just like encouraging the work that Denisha and I do with Resilient Black Women. And before you listen to the episode, I just want to give you a little bit of information about who Dr. Gabby is. Dr. Gabby is on a mission to save Black women's wombs by addressing the root cause of gynecology disease. Yes, this is a dramatic statement, but it is an appropriate response to a dramatic health issue manifesting in disproportionate gynecology disease, which burdens Black women worldwide. This racial disparity in health outcomes means that Black women are more likely to suffer with gynecology conditions that cause chronic pain and heavy bleeding. Black women who also experience higher rates of infertility, maternal mortality, and a final point of losing their wombs via hysterectomy compared to women of other races. Studies have revealed that the maternal mortality disparities cannot be attributed to educational status. Y'all, Dr. Gavi is passionate about creating a safe space for women to access individualized, integrity-based health care. By combining the best of traditional and lifestyle medicine, she offers holistic treatment plans in her private and NHS clinics. With over 15 years of experience in the medical field, her journey started at Imperial College in London, where she obtained her MBBS and her first class honors BSc in endocrinology and diabetes. She completed her family medicine residency at the Riverside Vocational Training Scheme, which was based at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital in London, UK. Additional qualifications and diplomas include uh, schooling from the Royal College, um, the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Medicine. She has undergone further training with the College of Naturopathic Medicine, in addition to functional hormone replacement training with the American LP3 Network. Y'all, Dr. Gabby has been included and so many different newspaper, magazine, TV, and radio shows for her expertise in the medical field. She has been known for her advocacy work could contributed to an invitation to meet the London Metropolitan Police Commissioner, where she discussed how to better help Black children in regards to stop and search policies. She has been invited to work on an important public health campaign by the UK government cabinet office. And she has had invitations to the UK universities to teach medical students on black women's reproductive health. Y'all, we are so excited to share with you this episode with Dr. Gabby. We hope that you gain really good information about how to take care of your bodies. We are specifically asking Dr. Gabby ways to help Black women since there does seem to be uh, an epidemic of Black women having huge issues, huge disparities in maternal health 
and gynecology disease. And so we are definitely asking Dr. Gabby to speak directly to those. But to our non-Black women who've listened to our podcast, we hope that you will listen and share with a friend. We hope that you too can gain some support from this episode because Dr. Gabby talks about just the importance of us like listening to our bodies and noticing things that are normal and abnormal in our bodies and seeking help as soon as possible. So, with no more further ado, this is our episode with Dr. Gabby. Dr. Gabby, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We are so excited. Um, I wonder if you can kind of tell us a little bit, tell the people where you're calling from. We were so glad that you kind of reached out to us online. um, And we're super, super glad to have this conversation. So tell us where where you're calling from. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here to chat with you ladies on this platform. Um, I'm actually based in the United Kingdom. So I'm across the pond, many, many miles away. But you know, when black women connect, you know, no distance is too far for us. Yes, yes. We are so, so excited uh, to have you here. Gabby, in this season of our podcast, we are actually asking all of the Black women that we interview um, some of the same types of questions to get started. And so okay. I'm going to pass it over to Dee and see if she can get us started with the first question. Yes. Again, I just want to thank you, Dr. Gabby, for being here. This is such a blessing and we are so excited. Um, thank you, Denisha course, one of the first questions that um, we thought that it would be appropriate to ask and to get it started, since we are resilient Black women, we wanted to know what does it mean to you to be Black, female, and resilient? If you could just kind of summarize that in your own words. Yeah, to be Black, female, and resilient, it has been a journey And I think one of the first steps in that journey is just recognizing some of the facts that are out there and being aware that as a black woman, um, there are statistics, um, facts that have been researched that have shown that, you know, many different things are more difficult for us, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in terms of, um, you know, financial projections, whether it be, um, you know, um, to do with our healthcare and advocating for ourselves and our families, whether it be stress levels, um, you know, there are many different things at play in society that affect Black women differently to women um, of other colours. We do we're not afforded the same privileges. Um, so when I was able to recognise that in the world, that actually empowered me because it meant that I wasn't um, necessarily surprised. And by not being surprised, I was able to be prepared and Mm -hmm. I was able to focus on my strategy um, without feeling like a helpless victim. And I think that really empowered me just knowing that this is the fact, this is what we're dealing with. Therefore, I have a choice either to fight and um, figure out how the game is played or do nothing. 
So I hope that answer was 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 helpful. I think also um, one thing that I realized that was important was to have really clear boundaries in my life, um, making sure that people don't cross those boundaries and communicating those boundaries very clearly to people. Um, and also getting advice from other black women because no matter what situation we find ourselves in, there will definitely be somebody else who's been through it and who knows how to navigate that field. And there's no point in me trying to figure it out when I can speak to somebody who can tell me do X, Y, and Z, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you will, you'll be okay. So <laughs> there's strength in our community for sure. Yeah, Dr. Gabby, those are the things that we often kind of talk about. I love how you were kind of saying that like just the knowledge of knowing the ways that Black women are uh, disproportionately affected by adverse things in our society, that knowledge helped you feel more empowered to know what was the next thing to do, what was the best thing, what would be the best thing for you to do. That knowledge mm -hmm. helped you to like advocate more for yourself. And that is part of the thing that makes you resilient. And then from that knowledge, you build your boundaries, you recognize like, how do I communicate those boundaries? And then you you lean in deep to the Black women or community that's around you. Is that kind of sums up what you were saying? Yeah, that's a perfect summary. Although it didn't necessarily go that smoothly, but I figured yeah. it out over time. <laughs> right, because that's, I love and error. that it started off as a journey. It's it's yeah. It's ongoing, probably in some ways. Definitely. Like there's still loads of aspects of, you know, life as a black woman that I haven't experienced yet. Mm. But I'm definitely mm -hmm. glad that over the years I've been able to build up my social network and my um, relationships with others um, so that I feel like I have the, the right support there when I need it in the future. Yeah. To our listeners, I, I hope that we're all kind of catching what Dr. Gabby is saying, because for her to be resilient black and female is not about being alone. It's not about being the strong black woman all by herself. It's about being connected and having clear boundaries and having knowledge about what do I need? What am I lacking? How do I get to where I wanna go? Yeah, you're definitely right. And there is so much support out there mm. for people. It can take a little bit of work to find it. Um, but even for people who don't have necessarily that social network within their community, there are so many support groups out there. The internet is amazing. Facebook is actually amazing. Like there's so many fantastic Facebook groups that have helped so many women. Um, and I would just encourage people to, to really look in that, that kind of wider network if there isn't anyone in their local community who can help them with their particular issue. Yeah, I love that. So to that, tell us about, I imagine that like your practice, your professional practice maybe flows from like a personal passion. So tell us a little bit about that, your passion and your professional practice. Yeah, so I actually went to medical school because I wanted to help women have babies. That was the reason why I went. So I did some work experience on the labor um, delivery suites and I was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Um, but as things passed. I didn't end up doing OBGYN training, but then as working as a family uh, medicine specialist, I just kept feeling that desire that I wanted to help women. And in particular, that I wanted to help black women. 
and um, I have another degree in, in endocrinology and hormones and I would do lots of talks about lifestyle medicine and improving your health and preventative medicine but I just kept finding that black women kept asking me about their health and about their gynecology health and I kept getting invited to different talks and then I thought hmm, I must really be good at this because I keep getting asked and I keep reading about this and sharing information even when people don't want to hear it because I feel like they need to have these jewels because it really can impact their health in a positive way so that's I've ended up on this mission to save black women's wombs because I've just heard the same story too many times from my patients, from family members, from friends. And it's not something that I think is acceptable. And that's when we're thinking about black women's reproductive health from teenage years all the way through to childbirth, all the way through to the menopause. There's a, perv a pervasive problem where black women are disproportionately affected um, by the burden of gynecology disease. Mm -hmm. Okay, you said two things that I just want you to kind of like explain a little bit. You, your mission is to save black women wombs. Yes. And then the last part, the burden of gynecology on black women. Can you start with the, the black women wombs? Like, how do you feel like you're doing that? And why is that important for black women like us? Yes, yeah, so black women are actually more likely to end up having hysterectomy, which is having their womb totally removed in their lifetime compared to white women. That is a very serious statistic. They are more likely to have a whole organ in their body removed. You know, if people were having their legs removed, you know, it would be a different scenario, you know. Yeah. It is part of our bodies and the studies do show that when a womb is removed, there are long-term consequences that can um, change risk factors for things like cardiovascular disease. So it's really important that black women are able to keep their wounds. Um, for some women, obviously, it is the right treatment for them if they have disease and you know, it's the only treatment option, but there are many other treatments that women can get before reaching that point. Um, so yes, I'm I'm keen to save black women's wombs. I'm keen to make sure that, you know, black women um, do not have increased rates of disease and and death in pregnancy. So that's been quite that's been spoken about quite a lot that black women are at higher risk during pregnancy. Um, so yeah, I just want to make sure that we have health equity and make sure that, you know, by being black, it doesn't increase your risk when it comes to these, these factors. Um, what was the second question, Joy? The I burden it. of gynecology. I've yeah, the burden. Oh yeah. So I'm going to list. Okay. So if we start off with fibroids, right? Yeah. Um, black women are more likely to have fibroids than white women. And when they do get fibroids, they're likely to have larger fibroids, a greater number of fibroids in the womb. And fibroids are greater than non-cancerous that are found in the middle layer of the womb. They're more likely to be in hospital because of the fibroids, more likely to need a hysterectomy because of them. And if so, they're in hospital for a longer time period than women of other colours. Um, they are more likely to um, need a myomectomy, which is a different operation for fibroids. And if they do, they're more likely to have a complication during that 
that procedure. They have a higher chance of needing a blood transfusion because of lots of heavy blood loss with fibroids. Mm. They're more likely to have severe pain in the tummy because of fibroids. Um, and they have greater symptom severity scores and lower health related quality of life scores. So in fibroids in particular, it has a massive burden on black women, more so than women of other colours. There are other sort of gynecology issues that are really affect black women. So for example, black women have higher rates of infertility compared to white women. Um, the statistics show that they're less likely to seek fertility treatment. And if they do, they take longer to seek it when compared to white women. There's also poorer outcomes with um, IVF treatment in vitro fertilization for black women. So even if they're using a black, even if they're using, sorry, an egg donor that may not be a black egg donor, there's still a lower pregnancy and lower birth rate in comparison to white women. Um, and a study um, showed that 42.3% of black women reported that they did not feel like their physician understood their cultural background when they looked for fertility treatment in comparison to only 16.5% of white women with the same concern. Um, and black women are more concerned about the social stigma that can be related to inf infertility compared to white women. So that's some really, you know, big statistics concerning infertility for black women. Um, there's a higher rate of maternal death um, when it comes to um, giving birth. I don't have the statistics for the US, but in the UK, it's currently four times higher um, than, than for white women the actual rates of death it was a little bit higher before there's been slight improvements and then also there's high rates of miscarriage and neonatal death so that's babies dying within the first year of life um in black women compared to white women in the u.s i mean these these figures are just when we talk about them they're numbers but these numbers are real people for that individual person that is a hundred percent of their experience you can say you can throw out numbers, but for that individual person, it's 100% of their experience. And, you know, I want to make sure that there is, there are, um, you know, key changes to policies and guidelines that mean that black, because black women are, you know, we're having different outcomes. We need different guidelines. We need different thresholds for monitoring and, inter and intervening at earlier stages compared to women of other um, ethnicities if we are going to get health equity and health equity is not equality health equity means giving different inputs for different groups depending on their need to reduce the inequality not giving the same to everyone right right yeah you know I, I just looked at the the maternal rate in the U.S. and it has increased since oh wow from 44 to almost 68 percent like it's really high <laughs> it's it's sad it's yeah. really sad and it's really scary and then I just I, I think I'm just like connecting to these uh to the phrase like the black womb the burden mm -hmm. that gynecology has been on the mm. black woman's womb yeah um, and I feel like I just I don't know about you D I feel like I just learned about fibroids uh -huh. and how yeah. big of a thing it is for black women and how many black women have been suffering yeah and and, and like you said like their physicians don't normally think that 
they have a problem, they're dismissing their pain, just mm. prescribing things that are not right. And so I feel like what you're saying is like, you're trying to advocate for the medical equity that allows the physician to have to check different boxes. They have to have a different standard for supporting yeah. a woman's womb. Is that true? Yeah, I, I think so. Because, you know, if we know that fibroids, if we know, for example, that black women get fibroids at a younger age, which they do, so it goes up rapidly from the age of 25 for black women, whereas with white women, it's more around, you know, in their 30s. We should have lower thresholds for screening for these things in black women and monitoring them. Um, fibroids cause very heavy bleeding and women have a period every month. So it's it's a chronic problem that, you know, for some women, it, it does present as a disability, meaning they have to change their activities of daily living to cope. So maybe they can't go to work. They have to wear multiple pads. You know, they have to rush to the bathroom. They've had episodes where they've had flooding and staining, which can, can be very embarrassing. Um, you know, it's it's a very sensitive topic that black women have to deal with. But because um, you know, I don't think people talk about periods as openly as I would like. Often it's not discussed and people don't know about, you know, their neighbor who has the same issue, you know, and I think we really need to get the conversation out there. I want to see people throwing their period <laughs> pads and tampons into their trolley with no shame. Okay. You don't have to hide it under the rest of your grocery shopping. It is a normal bodily function and we should not be ashamed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, this is super, super helpful. It is. And so, like, I think it's so empowering, these words that you're, or even just the permission, like, hey, throw that pad in your basket. Don't be ashamed. Um, I just think that's so empowering for women. And so, like, what would be some medical advice you really wish that Black women knew or understood? I think there's so much... Um, yeah, so I would say it's very important to keep on top of your gynecology health. So, for example, dentists always say, look, you need to come at least once every six months, even if your teeth feel fine, they may not be, they need to have a look. And it's the same thing with, with, with gynecology health. So women need to know, first of all, what their vulva which is the outer part of the women's part what it looks like what it feels like know what it's like normally so that if there are any changes or any lumps or skin changes color changes you will know and you can seek help okay it's wait are you are you saying that we should be like examining ourselves you know how like they there's a big movement of like do your own self-examination like we should be examining our own vaginas and our own vulvas that's what you're saying yeah yeah so in the shower it's a good idea to to have a feel down there make sure that everything feels normal because if something has changed you're not you may not notice it it's not painful unless someone else has a look so um it's a good idea to kind of know what's going on in case there's any early changes so you can seek advice urgently it's also a good idea to know what you know your normal vaginal discharge is like so that if there is a change a persistent change obviously it changes through the cycle but if there is a persistent change you can seek urgent advice um it's so so important for women when it comes to sexual health to make sure that they get regular checkups Number one, even before that, women, please um, use barrier contraception with partners 
okay, to protect from diseases like HIV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis, which is on the rise. I recently read an article that there are babies being born with congenital syphilis um, in the States. And, you know, that can happen because people can get syphilis, um, which was a disease that was always eradicated, but now it's on the, the rise. It's a disease that can cause problems that are not obvious. So it can become kind of like dormant and stay in the body for many years. So this is why it's important to get the regular sexual health checkups so that any of these diseases can be picked up early because they are all treatable. And I want women to feel comfortable saying to their partner, I would like to see your, your test results before we go any further. Right. That's right. And, and to be selective That's when right. it comes to their, their sexual health. Um, it's very, very important because infections like chlamydia, gonorrhea, these things, can people can have them without any symptoms. And if they're left untreated for a long time, it can end up causing pelvic inflammatory disease, which can cause scarring, can cause chronic pain, and can result in infertility if women's fallopian tubes are blocked. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important for women to think, you know, Their womb is like their jewel. It's their crown. You want to protect your womb health at all costs and make sure that you get those regular checkups, okay? Um, Smear tests, cervical smear tests. You Mm. guys have them in the States? Yeah, I think we call Um, them pap smears. Pap smears, yeah. So I think in the States, the regularity of getting them done is different to in the UK, but in the UK, people get a recall every set number of years to go in to have their smear test done. That's really, really important um, because there's a there's a bacteria, so not a bacteria, a virus called the human papilloma virus, which causes the vast majority of cervical cancers. And it's, it's a condition that we can completely prevent now um, through having pap smears. Mm-hmm. Um, also in the UK, um, now girls in high school are offered the HPV vaccine. Mm-hmm. not sure what it is in the states but again you know if people are eligible for these things it's really important to take them mm-hmm. um what else what else so dr gabby can I ask a question about that is the hpv mm-hmm. vaccine helpful to take if you think your teen is sexually active so the hpv vaccine ideally it's best you know in the uk they're aiming to give it to girls before they become sexually active because from the first moment someone has been sexually active, they can be exposed to the HPV virus. Mm. Um, However, for people who have already um, had sex, I think the evidence shows there is still benefit to, um, some benefit to having it if you can get it. I believe here in the States, um, they begin offering it for um, females, I know, as early as nine years of age. Wow. Yeah, so they're trying to get get girls young. Um, I'm just trying to think of any, you know, gynecology stuff. So any any sort of changes in women's periods. So increased heaviness, increased pain is time to seek advice, but it is very subjective because everyone's pain thresholds are different. 
Mm-hmm. But if you're noticing that it's really affecting your life, you're having to double up, you're having to change your practices to cope, or you're having to take regular um, you know, painkillers over the counter, um, it's time to seek support because sometimes people self-medicate and they're taking too much of a medicine, it can cause other problems. Mm-hmm. So when you go to see that community pharmacist, it can be helpful just to have a chat with them about why you're purchasing painkillers and how you're using them so it's safe and often they direct people to see their doctor and then I would say finally any bleeding when you don't expect it it's time to see a doctor so that in between your periods or bleeding triggered by sex and in women who have been through the change been through the menopause if they have vaginal bleeding after the menopause it is very important that they see their doctor I feel like all of these things is like, we have to, something that we often say on our podcast is we want women to listen to their bodies. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. you're saying is like, women like have a keen awareness to what is happening in your womb and mm-hmm. your vagina and like, and not to have the embarrassment connected to that, right? Like mm-hmm. that I, that I check my vulva, that I, I, I can notice like when blood is not supposed to be there or this blood is too much or this pain is, is more than what it normally is. Or I've been taking more uh, medication over the counter to deal with the pain that like all, mm-hmm. are, I love what you keep saying. If we notice something different, seek advice, seek advice, seek advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, definitely. Because it's really difficult to kind of be a doctor to your own body even for doctors right mm-hmm. we have to we have to seek advice if we notice changes ourselves because it's very important to get that objective opinion yeah so what words would you give to women everywhere about advocating for their bodies and for their health especially if they have had physicians who did not believe them did not hear them what words of advice would you give women to how to navigate those types of conversations? Mm. So I would first of all, you know, want to apologize to them um, for the experience that they had and let them know that they're not alone, that unfortunately many other women have had similar experiences, but not to let that discourage them from from accessing the health care that they are entitled to and the health care that they deserve. And to encourage them that if it means having to travel far to see a healthcare provider that you trust, it's definitely worth it in the long run because health is wealth. Mm. And there's there's nothing more important, you know, than, than making sure that you look after your body. Um, I think it's, you know, helpful to, as I said, build up that community to find out from other people, you know, which healthcare providers they recommend or a certain doctor that they can recommend in your community and then try and see that person. Um, And if you don't feel comfortable with the clinician that you have, it is okay to seek a second opinion um, because every patient should always be happy with their management plan. And if the management plan is like a compromise, they should know that there is a set time period when they can come back to have it reviewed um, if you don't feel comfortable, that's your gut instinct telling you something. And, and it's important that women act on that because we're born with, with these instincts that are very powerful. Yeah, I love that. So, Dr. Gabby, you spent a lot of time and given us so much 
valuable information on how to advocate for ourselves and care for ourselves. Um, so how do you care for yourself in your field? Um, I imagine that it's very demanding and even if it's a rewarding, I know that there's times when it can be hard to be self-full um, and focus on yourself more than you're focusing on others or caring for others more than you care for yourself. So how do you balance that and what's that like for you? Yeah, so it is tricky to have, you know, a healthy work-life balance, but it's something that I have realized the importance with over the years because excess stress contributes to health problems. Mm. It can affect insulin levels, it can affect cortisol levels, it can cause hypertension. Um, and when you're stressed, you're eating more badly, which can lead to diabetes. So it is really important to have a balance where you have enough time to fill your bucket with the rocks that are most important to you and mm. most relevant things like spending time with family, nurturing relationships that are important to you with friends, time to exercise, time to cook and eat healthy food, time to um, address your spiritual health. I, I'm really, I really believe it's so important to um, explore your beliefs and your spiritual health and have some practices that are right for you. Um, an interesting story um I think it was last year I was doing a job where part of our role involved having some coaching and I was like oh I don't I don't think I really need coaching um and I was delayed in taking out that offer and my supervisor said we've paid for this you must <laughs> book your coaching appointment so I went along and you know booked my appointment thinking oh I'm probably not going to get that much out of this However, my coach was absolutely amazing. She helped me so much yeah. in evaluating what my real true goals were and dreams for the future and being honest with myself. And yeah. she, she helped me achieve so much in such a short period of time. Mm. So I would really encourage people to make use of any resources that they have in their reach, whether it be through their church, through any sort of religious organizations, through social organizations, through charities, through their workplace. If there's any way of accessing coaching that way to definitely take it up, you never know what you're gonna get out of it like I did. And also if you do have a little bit of disposable income, you know, you may not, <laughs> You may have to say, okay, I'm not going to buy that wig this month and yeah. put some money towards the coaching. <laughs> I would recommend it because it can be life-changing and it's important to prioritize our finances accordingly when it comes to focusing on health also. I love that. I think that's important. I think that's such a good, good thing, right? How are we taking care of ourselves and making sure we are getting what I, what we need, whether it's coaching. Um, I love what you said about take make use of any resources that you have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is how we uh, manage stress and keep our bodies from developing other types of things just because we we don't know how to like manage the stress. 
exactly I'm not saying don't do your hair I mean I went to the hairdresser yesterday to help me feel good I mean that's important too but it's all about balance right (laughs) yeah yeah right I do this this month and then I'll do something different next month yeah 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 and Dr. Mm -hmm. Gabby thank you for I know you're a medical doctor but thank you for just um emphasizing the importance of whole health right Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely believe that um, you cannot have whole health without addressing physical, mental, social, spiritual health, but then also basic needs, which are things, there's this triangle called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And at the bottom of it, it's things like housing, safety, you know, having enough finances to get by. Those things are really important too. Food. I mean, food prices are going up. Dr. Gabby, tell our audience how they can follow you on social media or anything you have coming up. Yes. So my social media is Dr. Gabby Official on all platforms. So TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. That is D-R-G-A-B-I-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. Dr. Gabby official. I hope I spelled that right. Is my spelling okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's how people can reach me. Um, I'm also available. I also have a website which is um, which is www.drgabbyclinic.co.uk. Um, so yeah, please do follow me on these platforms. I keep people up to date with what I'm up to. Um, there's actually a free guide that you can download from my website if you go on there on um, nutrition for skin health and just general skills uh, general tips for a healthy lifestyle so please do head to my website to get your hands on these free resources Um, going forwards I'm going to be doing a lot more work in the black women's womb space and so please do follow me to keep updated We want to thank you so much, Dr. Gabby, for joining us today. We so appreciate being able to talk to you from across the ocean. And we hope you have a great week. And we will be in touch for more future things, events, and all the good stuff. Hey, thank you for having me, ladies. And I just want to encourage you in terms of all the work you're doing um, in the mental health space, supporting women Um, who really need your help you know you're definitely walking in your purpose and I see it and salute you guys thank you thank Thank you so much Dr. Gabby